Floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Standing by to answer your home improvement questions, solve your do-it-yourself dilemmas, help you turn your place from house to home to castle, help yourself first by picking up the phone and calling us at 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. And the home improvement of the week, the home improvement du jour, Leslie, mm-hmm. is getting the house ready for the big Super Bowl party. Right, so cooking this hour. Uh, cooking wings. That's what Good. Super Bowl means to you. <laughs> it does. <laughs> I, I could care less about which teams. I just want to <laughs> eat some wings. It's my well, favorite listen, part whatever, of the day. Whatever your excuse is for uh, for getting ready for Super Bowl, that's fine. But here's a project that uh, you might want to think about, and that is why not build a home bar? You can build a home bar to impress your friends. And we've got some solutions this hour on how you can do this regardless of your skill set. If you're a total pro, great. But if not, there are ways that you can recycle old, resalvaged bars, so to speak, and have them fit in perfectly and look great in your basement, your family room, your living room, wherever you want to create it. And we'll have some tips on that coming up. That's right. Just start this project before you start celebrating. (laughs) (laughs) Plus, installing a bookshelf, that's a great addition to your decor, but one that can turn into a huge safety hazard if you do not properly attach it to a wall. We're going to tell you how to make sure this is a safe project. Also, with all the new options in light bulbs out there, buying one can be super confusing. Consumer Reports is helping us out, though. They just published a great study that will simplify the choices, and the editor who worked on that study is going to be joining us in just a few minutes with the results. Plus, this hour, one caller is going to get an entire winter supply of Morton Safety Pet, and it's a great ice melt for your sidewalk and driveway, and it's not going to hurt your four-legged friends, and it's a prize package worth 60 bucks. So pick up the phone, give us a call right now with your home improvement question. The number is 888-MONEY-PIT, 888-666-3974. Let's get right to those phones. Leslie, who's first? Alan, Texas has got a house that tends to move a lot. Now you can't close your darn doors. Tell us what's going on, Al. Well, you know, here in this uh, part side of town, our soils are not very good, and they tend to shift all the time. Okay. So it's a constant battle with the doors not locking properly. Mm-hmm. And so my question has to do with there's a male and a female side. And so should I change, you know, adjust the door or do I need to go to the female side to adjust that so that the door locks properly? The place you make the adjustment, Al, really depends on what's the easiest way to do this. So let me give you a couple of examples. Let's say that the uh, the door itself was hitting the door jam a little bit low and you had to pick it up a bit. Well, if you went to the upper hinge and, and was able to tighten it, that will actually sort of twist the door upwards in its frame and move that striker up higher, perhaps enough to actually make the to make the connection on the strike plate. Uh, and if you had to move it down, you could tighten the lower hinge. So you can do a little bit of movement by shimming the hinges or moving the hinges or tightening the hinges in the door. 
Uh, beyond that, the easiest thing to do is to actually reset the striker plate on the door jam itself to move that up or down to align properly with uh, with the door itself. And you know, you could actually have a striker that's a little bit wider than perhaps what you really need in terms of the actual striker hole, so that if the door was to shift a little bit throughout the year because of swelling and and expansion and contraction, it would still continue to operate properly. Does that make sense? It does. Now, let me ask you one last thing. On the, not, not on the door, but on the other side, would I need to change that piece of wood? And why I say that is because typically that little metal piece is actually almost encrusted onto the wood. I mean, there's always like a little square, and if it's right perfectly in there, would I need to replace all of that, or could I just maybe... Not necessarily replace it, but what you would do is you might open it up a little bit. So, for example, you would take off the striker, and then with the chisel, you would widen out the hole a little bit, and then you would put it back together. That makes sense. Okay. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. You're welcome, Alan. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Lauren, South Carolina is having a caulking issue in the bathtub. What's going on? We have had to re-caulk the bathtub uh, in the last six months probably two or three times. Every wow. time we do it, we scrape the old caulking off, we recaulk it, and then let it dry for a couple of days. And then after like a couple of weeks, it starts to crumble and crack, and now it's it just like disintegrates. First of all, what kind of caulk are you using? Um, I believe it's a latex, and I don't know if that's the problem. Okay, well, there's a couple of things. First of all, let, let me give you the step-by-step way to caulk a bathtub and have it stick. You have to remove the old caulk, and... If you have a lot of old caulk, I would use a product called a caulk softener. It's kind of like a paint stripper, but it's for caulk, and it makes it uh, soft and pliable so you can really get rid of all the old stuff and do a really good job cleaning it out. Then I would take a um, bleach and water solution, spray down that joint, clean it really well, make sure we're stripping any mold away that's in there. After you get it totally ready to go, then fill your bathtub up with with water. You want to fill it up to the top with the stopper on so it's weighted down. This sort of pulls the tub down a bit by putting that weight on it. Then you can caulk it. I would use an acrylic latex with microband in it, which is a uh, mold inhibitor. DAP makes it, uh, a kitchen and bath caulk, or use a silicone caulk. And then, of course, let it dry really well, and then let the water out of the tub. And when you do that, the tub kind of comes back. And when you get in it to take a bath or a shower, you push it down again. It doesn't have the same stress on the caulk joint, and it tends to stay in a lot longer that way. So those are the steps that will get it in there and hopefully have it stay for a while. Oh, uh, How long should I let it dry? Oh, just a day. That's all. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. Wonderful. It. Great. That's a good idea. Okay. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Good luck with that project, Laura. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Now you can be part of the fun. Pick up the phone and give us a call. Let us know what you're working on. We promise we'll take it easy on you. We'll give you a hand. We are here for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 888 Money Pit. 888-666-3974. Up next, if you really want to wow your Super Bowl guests, want to have them belly up to your very own homemade bar. We'll tell you what you need to know to get this project done next. Hey, this is Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs, and I've just been told that Tom and Leslie might have a dirtier job than me. I find that hard to believe, but then I heard they worked in a pit. That's a money pit, but still filthy. Hey, 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 money pit.
The Money Pit is brought to you by ODL's Add-on Blinds. Enclosed behind tempered glass, they eliminate the need for dusting and exposed cords, both problems with traditional blinds. Plus, they easily install over your existing entry glass. Visit www.odl.com to learn more. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, where home solutions live. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. The number to call is 888-MONEY-PIT. Hey, winter conditions can be a dangerous time for pets as well. And that's why one caller this hour is going to get a great way to keep both you and Rover safe when there's ice and snow on the ground. We're giving away a whole winter's worth of safety pet ice melt from Morton. It's salt and chloride free. It's great for your car. It's great for your concrete sidewalks. And most importantly, it is safe for your pet. Going to go out to one caller that picks up the phone with their home improvement question. The number is 888-666-3974. Now we've got Ken on the line who's dealing with a very moist situation in the attic. Tell us what's going on. Okay, yeah. So we live, uh, the wife and I, uh, about three blocks from the Pacific Ocean uh, next to the Columbia River. I purchased a house here with a flat roof. Uh, basically, it has about a, about a 312 pitch. It had a uh, uh, torch-down uh, uh, system on it, and I opted to go a IB Teflon system. Okay. And uh, it was about a $10,000 system. Well, after they put it in about a year later, I noticed mold uh, on, the, on the underside of the roof. Huh. Uh, and uh, they put three vents, about 8-inch diameter vents, in the ridge. And uh, when I saw the mold, well, they said, well, you're not getting adequate ventilation in the years that... Well, anyway, they put six more vents in there, huh. and uh, they had they had messed up and left about a half a dozen little holes where they had bad leaks, and so I had water in between the IB system and the torch down in my plywood. Wow! So I put the fan in there, and my question now is, uh, at putting those additional six vents on the bottom. Are you talking about when you say the bottom? Are you talking about at the underside of the overhang of the soffit level? Well, no, no, I don't have any any overhangs. Uh, it's you a flat roof, okay. mm-hmm. and it just comes to the walls. And so, uh, after they put the six, uh, three on the or four on the on the top ridge, about uh, I I had mentioned well, we should put some vents down low, and it's no, you don't need vents up here with that little space, okay. uh, but. Probably wouldn't have had to have, but they 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 were incompetent in what they did because they <laughs> left about a half a dozen holes and leaks in my in that Teflon. All right, so here's the situation: so you had a minimal amount of vent, you spotted some mold, you added additional vents, and now you're are you still seeing mold in the attic or not? No, I I think they came in and they wiped it down with whatever. So you're not seeing the mold anymore in the attic. And the question is: are do is it possible to have too much ventilation? The answer is no. Uh, in fact, a perfectly ventilated attic space is going to be at ambient temperature all the time. Now, because it's a flat roof, it's much more difficult to vent. If this was a pitched roof with an overhang, you would have soffit vents down across the soffit, ridge vents across the peak. It would essentially be wide open all the time, constantly circulating uh, air. And what that does is in the wintertime, it takes out moisture, which can condense and lead to mold. And in the summer, it takes out heat, which, of course, drives up your cooling costs. So I don't think it's possible to have too much attic ventilation. Um, did you also mention that you put a fan in there? Well, I put a fan in there to dry out the moisture first, and that's what my concern was. Maybe I shouldn't have put the fan because I'm spreading those mold spores around by doing that. 
Well, if the mold was treated, I wouldn't worry too much about that. But here's the thing about fans. Now, the fans, the attic fans, are only going to work on a heat-sensitive switch unless you wired them somehow differently. And so those fans, those attic fans, typically only work in the summertime. They don't work in the wintertime. It was in the fall, so it was relatively cool. Right, but but there's but those attic fans work on a thermostat, which is generally, if it's installed correctly, set at around 100 degrees. So it would have to be an awfully warm fall day for that for that to kick on. I would say that if you're not spotting the mold any further, and uh, you know the attic doesn't seem to be leaking, you addressed all of those issues. That you're just good the way it is, and I would just uh, stop right there and enjoy it. Right, right. Well, this is about the eighth house we've retired in the last four years. It's kind of like watching Gold Rush. You, you're always going to find something in an old house. So <laughs> <laughs> we enjoy it, but it's a lot of work. <laughs> All right, Ken. Well, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, if you want to step up your game for entertaining at home, have you thought about building a home bar? Even if you don't imbibe, bars are still a great place for family and friends to gather. Now, the hardest part is finding the right spot in your house for this bar. You know, many people like to put it in the basement, but you can put them in your family room, your dining room, or even a converted closet. You need to consider, though, how much electricity you'll need to power all of your fun bar gadgets and how easy it might be to add running water if you need it. Now, the average height for a sit-down bar is 42 inches and 46 inches if you just want to make it for standing room only. You also need to figure out a way of having about a foot of overhang onto your countertop's depth, so this way your knees won't get knocked when folks are sitting against it. Mm -hmm. Now, when it comes time to actually build one, you can always hire a pro to build one for you. But an even better and I would say cooler option is to look at salvage places for bars that have been tossed out in demolition. And you might just actually need a bit of trimming or cleanup or refinishing. You know, if you want a complete checklist of items that you'll need to create a spectacular home bar, just search home bars on moneypit.com and you'll certainly be inspired. One of my favorite restaurants in the area in which we live has that beautiful, beautiful bar. And what's interesting is that the building the restaurant is in is uh, about probably 30 years old. The bar is about 120 years old. And it was actually moved from from another bar that was in Brooklyn uh, by a recycler that basically took it apart and then reconstructed it uh, in the newer, quote unquote, restaurant. So there's a lot of really good looking old bars out there that you can find in these recycled houses. And uh, sometimes, you know, you find just the right piece. You do a little little trimming, a little adjustment, a little refinishing, and it's just a beautiful piece. Elaine in Delaware is on the line and is looking to redo a kitchen completely. Great project. How can we help? I have a house that was built in like 1955. Okay, so, so I have the arch entrance going into the dining room. I also have a door going into a basement. I have a door going outside, and I have two windows. And this is your kitchen kitchen. we're talking about? Yes. And the kitchen is only 18 by 12 feet with a four-foot bump out for the basement door. Okay. Okay, so I was wondering, number one, if I take out that archway, because I have several other entrances in the um, house that have the same archway, If I take out that archway and take out that whole wall there that opens up into the dining room. Do you want to see your kitchen all the time from the dining room? I I like that open concept, yes. Okay. But I'm wondering if it'll take away from the integrity of the 1955, you know, 
lifestyle with the arches. I think an open plan has a much more modern and fresher feel. But I mean, you're talking about mid-century and that itself has a modern and fresh feel. So I don't think it compromises one another. The issue is, is that while load bearing, can you feasibly and structurally actually remove it? I don't think it is a load-bearing wall. No, we've done some work in the house, and I, I think that we could actually cut that out. Now, your kitchen itself, is that original to the home from 1955? Yes, it is. And it's got, like, the old wooden wooden type cabinets. Like, the back door opens up right into the stove. Well, the nice thing about the old wooden cabinets is that they're really well-built, and the second thing is that they're also easy to refinish. I mean, that's a perfect candidate for painting cabinets, replacing hardware, and, and thinking about doing a less expensive kitchen update that way. Right, Leslie? Yeah, I mean, it it sounds to me, though, that Elaine's got her heart set on a gut job, (laughs) which, you know, isn't a bad idea either. You know, Tom's right. Those cabinets are exceptionally well made. I think the idea of opening out the room, as long as it makes sense and as long as you don't mind, I mean, is this going to be your formal dining room off of the kitchen? Yeah. Okay. You know, it instantly is going to take on a less formal feel because it is, you know, integrated into that main portion of the kitchen, but you can still add details to it to dress up that portion of the space. Plus, you can add, you know, a kitchen island is a great addition to a space. It gives a more casual seating area. But keep in mind that once you do the open plan, it does sort of reduce the formality of the dining area. But you can dress it up through color, lighting fixtures, furnishing choices, a rug. There are ways to do that. And keep in mind that now you're opening the space, your working triangle needs to be modified a little bit. But I think there are great ways to make an open plan work. And I think eliminating that archway really isn't going to, you know, take away from the historical aspect of the home. Okay, yeah. Um, And we were actually thinking about maybe putting a couple stools, like where the wall is now, if we take out that archway. I'm kind of making like a little breakfast bar. Mm-hmm. No, I think as long as structurally you're able and you'll have to consult with an engineer, there's no problem with removing that wall itself and creating that open plan. And, you know, do a lot of research on mid-century design because you're smack in that you know, age bracket for your home. And it is swank. It's very modern. There's some interesting furnishings. You don't have to buy the authentic stuff, although as gorgeous as it is, there are some fantastic knockoffs in a lot of those pieces. And you can really do something interesting. And Lucite is back in a big way. And if you mix Lucite and wood and some interesting lighting, you know, you can really create a cool mid-century feel. Okay, well, thank you very much. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Up next, LEDs, halogen, incandescence. Is this an SAT test for light bulbs? <laughs> well, no, but you feel like you are taking a test every time you go to the store these days to buy a new one. Consumer Reports is trying to make it a lot easier. They did a complete study to help us understand the high efficiency bulbs that are out there. Their editor joins us with those results next. is brought to you by Skill. And now you can easily cut through the most difficult projects with ease with the power cutter from Skill. With powerful lithium-ion technology and an auto sharp blade system, Skill's lightweight power cutter will soon become your favorite tool too. The Skill Power Cutter. It cuts just about anything. Where home solutions live, welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And hey, if you've been light bulb shopping lately, you know that there are many new options on the market. The increase in choices, though, has left many consumers totally in the dark about which bulbs are best for them. 
That's right. And that's why Consumer Reports has concluded a major study on light bulbs and can tell you not only which ones are the best performers, but can answer your questions about all those different options that are out there. We've got Celia Coopersmith-Lehrman here, and she is the deputy editor at Consumer Reports to tell us more. Welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Now, this is a very confusing time for consumers, uh, isn't it, uh, Celia? I mean, with the 100-watt incandescent, the uh, tried-and-true trusted friend that we've had for uh, decades and decades being phased out at the end of this past year, um, there's a lot of new bulbs in the market. There's a lot of new choices. They're far more expensive than uh, consumers are used to seeing. And so there is, uh, understandably, some confusion. You guys have tried to uh, set, the, uh, set us straight a bit. Tell us about uh, your research. So we have actually tested... Um all of the new technologies. So we've got the, you know, and we also know information about sort of your tried and true incandescent bulbs. And there are, in effect, four options right now. There are these incandescents that are being phased out, um, as you mentioned, hundreds are first. And then there are halogen bulbs, which also have a filament. They're kind of, they're a type of incandescent. And you have CFLs, which people are sort of familiar with, that sort of swirly ice cream look. And then the newest option is light-emitting diodes, LEDs. And those have just really started to come to the market. And there are sort of pros and cons for each one of the technologies. We're talking to Celia Cooperschmidt-Lehrman. She's the deputy home editor for Consumer Reports. Celia, you mentioned cost. Yes, uh, certainly some of the bulbs are, are a couple of dollars. Some of the LEDs I've seen are $20 or so, yet they have uh, rebates that are available depending on where you live. Do you think we're going into a period of time where people are going to have to get used to thinking about the bulb differently? I mean, typically up to this point, the bulb was almost the throwaway portion of the light fixture. Today, it seems that if we can design a bulb that's, yes, going to be $20, but it could last 20 years, chances are that the light fixture could actually wear out, say the switch, for example, before the bulb itself. And I think you're right. I think people have to, people will start thinking about bulbs differently because they're, they're becoming more of a durable good as opposed to a disposable good. And LEDs, what's really interesting with LEDs is that how quickly the prices have come down. I mean, we, we tested these bulbs um, several months ago, and when we initially tested them and put the ratings up, some of these, uh, this Philips ambient bulb LED was $40 a bulb, and the price is now down to $25 a bulb in the the matter of months. And there are even rebates that are being offered sometimes on these bulbs, so the price comes down even more. So I think with LEDs, you're going to see that that price is going to drop dramatically. And LEDs last even longer than CFLs. That's the claim. They claim to last um, anywhere from 20 to 50,000 hours. Now that's compared to about seven to 10,000 for CFL and only about 1,000 for a regular bulb. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you can, the, the promise of the LED is the LED bulb you just bought, you're not going to have to change it for 20 years or more which is a pretty amazing thing. And it's, it's an, also an incredible convenience with the LEDs. I mean, think of all those light fixtures that are in places that are a nuisance that you, have to, that you have to change. Don't have to change them anymore. And one of the nice things about LEDs is they are dimmable. They are also instant on, full brightness. So there are a lot of advantages to LEDs over the CFLs. The disadvantage at this point really is the price. But with LEDs, as with CFLs, it's really important to look 
for an Energy Star certification for the bulbs because Energy Star requires that the light coming from the bulbs is what they call omnidirectional, which means it gives off light in every direction which is especially important if you're going to use it, let's say, in a reading lamp. Well, that brings up a good point. How do you know which is the right bulb for the fixture that you've got? I mean, there's so many options. So if I've got a table lamp that, you know, I want to dim or it's in an area that I, you know, I need a lot of options for, how do I know I'm choosing the right bulb? Well, I think there are some things that you want to know. And we, we've, we've talked about uh, we, we, in, our, in our publications and on our website, we have a lot of information on matching the bulb to the fixture. So if you've got a table or a floor lamp, you can either use a spiral CFL. You can also get a covered spiraled CFL. So if you don't like the swirly look of the CFL, you can get one that's covered so it looks like a more traditional bulb. You can get an LED bulb or you can get a halogen bulb. So there's all different kinds that you can get. I mean, what you want to think about for those things is, do is it an area that you need instant full brightness? So if, if this is the light that you have in your hallway and it's the only light in your hallway or a stairway, you may not want to use a CFL in that instance because it's not going to have full brightness as soon as you turn the light on. That might be some place you want to go with a halogen bulb or an LED bulb. Celia Cooper-Smith-Lehrman from Consumer Reports, thank you so much for stopping by the Money Pit. Terrific information. Oh, it's my pleasure. Consumer Reports is on newsstands now, or you can visit their website at consumerreports.org. A beautiful bookshelf can become a terrible disaster quickly if it's not anchored correctly to your wall. We're going to tell you how to reinforce your walls for this project after this. The Money Pit is brought to you by ODL's Add-on Blinds. Enclosed behind tempered glass, they eliminate the need for dusting and exposed cords, both problems with traditional blinds. Plus, they easily install over your existing entry glass. Visit www.odl.com to learn more. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call this hour at 888-MONEY-PIT because one caller is going to get a winter supply, a winter supply of Morton Safety Pet. It's a great salt because it's chloride-free and it's an ice melt that you can safely use around your pets. It's not going to harm their paws or their skin or their eyes. And it's a prize pack worth $60. So give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT for your answer to your home improvement question and your chance to win. 888-666-3974. Rory in Colorado is on the line with a heating question. How can we help you today? Uh, I've got a question on kind of efficiencies for uh, blocking off vents versus using space heaters. Okay. I've got a, a three, uh, well, two-story with a basement, and one of the kids is downstairs in the basement in a room and another one upstairs, and they use space heaters. I've turned the temperature of the house down enough that they feel the need to use the space heaters. I was wondering if it's if I use too many space heaters, heaters is it better to just crank up the thermostat a couple degrees? Yeah, what kind of heat do you have? Is it gas? It's a gas furnace. Yeah. And the space heaters are electric, I presume? Yes, electric. Well, they're going to be pretty expensive. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to run several of them, you're better off running the furnace the gas furnace because the cost of the 
heat will overall be probably a lot less expensive. They're running two of them. It's just two two bedrooms. Yeah. Well, plus, I don't like the idea of kids in space heaters unless it's a really Well, they're adult kids. Oh, they're adult kids? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Tom, I wonder, is this a good application for that kilowatt tool where you can sort of plug that into the device to see how much wattage the actual space heater would be using so you could get like an I mean, educated you could, but determination? Actually, if, if you simply knew the wattage, you could figure it out. But, uh, you know, it's pretty expensive to run those all the time. So I mm-hmm. would suspect that in, in this case, rather than run several space heaters, that you'd be better off turning the heat up a bit. And then we can all... I Everyone can enjoy it. Either that or, or make you can hang your sweater back up. Move out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, if one of your favorite winter pastimes is to curl up with a good book, you probably have a bookshelf or two hanging around to store those books upon. Now, bookshelves can be a great decor item, but they can easily tip over if they're not anchored properly. To do this, you're going to need a stud finder and a set of three-inch drywall screws. Just mark the studs on the wall, position your bookshelf, and screw through the bookshelf and into the studs themselves. Make sure you don't hit the wall. Make sure you hit the beams or the studs behind the wall so the bookshelf cannot tip over. Mm -hmm. And you can mark a spot on the shelf that's 16 inches to one side of your first screw and then drill another screw there. You want to keep doing this every 16 inches until you've covered the width of the shelf. Now, 16 inches because that is the distance between studs. If you space this out correctly, you're probably going to get about three screws per bookshelf. And that really should be enough to keep your shelf safe and secure. 888-666-3974. Call us with your next home improvement project. We are here to help. Janet in Maryland is on the line with an insulation question. Tell us what's going on. Um, Yes, my house was built in the 50s. It's stucco with cinder block walls. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. when we had uh, the sheetrock replaced, um, there really was no insulation. So I don't know if it can be blown in. I was told nothing could be done. There's some... Little, it's a one-and-a-half-story bungalow. There's some loose insulation in the eaves in the attic. I really don't see anything on the exterior walls. Okay, so with a house, you want to make sure that you insulate in the right order. And the order would be the attic first. Now, you mentioned it does have some insulation. Put the hat on your head. Yeah, that's right. Put the hat on the head. Okay. You want to make sure. You said it has some insulation. How many inches of insulation do you think you have in the attic right now, Janet? Probably like two or three. It doesn't oh look God. like a whole lot. That's it's, nothing. It's real loose. Okay. Do you know how much you're gonna, you really need? You need no. 19 to 22 inches mm. of insulation. So okay. you should forget totally about these walls. Your problem is overhead. You need to get as much insulation in that attic as you possibly can. You know, a foot and a half is what we're looking for and up. And when you do that, you're going to see an amazing reduction in your energy bills. Amazing. Because you have next to nothing right now. You're like sleeping outside with a sheet on. You oh, jeez, okay. <laughs> you need okay. heavy blankets, honey, to make this work Do for I buy you. the roll, the pink roll? Yes, absolutely. The pink roll, the Owens Corning. You could buy the, the, the rolls or buy the loose bats. Uh, and you want to put, first you fill in between the floor joists. And you want to get unfaced. Yep, unfaced insulation. You fill in between the floor joists, and you put a second layer on top of that perpendicular to the floor joists. Okay, okay. Until you build up enough insulation. And you're going to find an amazing change in how warm and comfy your house gets as a result of that. Okay, great, great. All right, Janet, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 
money pit. This is a very typical question that we get on the show, Leslie. Um, folks don't know where to put those energy dollars first. And you've got, like in her case, almost zero insulation in the attic. Mm-hmm. You should just forget about the outside walls. That's not your problem. I mean, your problem is the attic. Right. You know, it really is. You you put a hat on your head, it keeps the warmth in your body. So it's the same for your home. You really need to think about working from the top down. And I think people forget that over time, there's so much settling that you do either need to replace or add so that you meet that R value. Absolutely. So hopefully we got uh, Janet straightened out. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Have you ever wondered how much is too much when it comes to overloading an electrical outlet? We're going to tell you about those dangers after this. That is brought to you by Stanley Tools, your trusted name in quality hand tools. To learn more about their complete line of quality tools and everything for your toolbox, visit stanleytools.com. Where home solutions live, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Welcome back. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Did you guys make a New Year's resolution this year, and was it to save more money? Of course, same resolution every year. Well, and mine's always to be nicer to my husband and save more money. <laughs> How's that well, work out? <laughs> we, we usually get to January 10th and then, then it all goes downhill. <laughs> well, the Money Pit can help you do that. Save money, not be nicer to your spouse. Just go to MoneyPit.com and search saving energy. You're going to get tips on saving water and power and keeping your heat inside all in one convenient click. And speaking of power, Lewis posted in the Money Pit community, I have only two outlets in my home office with all my computer equipment. I have about a million things plugged into two surge (laughs) protectors coming out of those outlets. How much can one outlet handle? Do I need an electrician to get more outlets installed? So two issues here. First of all, do you have enough physical outlets to power all of your gadgets? And with those two surge protectors, perhaps you do. The question is, how much can the outlet handle depends on the size of the circuit that it's installed to. Now, most circuits, uh, we call them branch circuit wiring. The branch circuits typically are 15-amp circuits, and they are made of number 14 wire, and number 15 amps is all a number 14 wire can handle. So that means that if you plug in too many things, and assuming you have the proper size fuse or circuit breaker on there, the circuit will pop. So if your circuits are not popping and it's properly fused or circuit breaker, uh, then you're probably okay as long as you don't mind the inconvenience of all of the power strips that you have plugged into that. If you want to make it a little more convenient, what you could do is get a different kind of power strip. For example, I've got a table in my basement that's got a number of computers plugged into it because they're servers. And we have a power strip that's about probably six feet long, but it just has one plug in it, and it's got plenty of outlets. So the number of outlets really depends on how many you need for convenience. The amount of power depends on the size of the circuit and the size of the circuit breaker. All right, Lewis, good luck with your home office project. Well, are you looking to make game day an unforgettable experience? Leslie's got some entertaining tips on how to do just that in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. 
Yeah, you know, it really doesn't matter which team you're rooting for as long as you've got wings. <laughs> but you can score a victory with your guest if you've got a few fun gadgets and wings. <laughs> now, you've probably got a Twitter fanatic among your friends and family that are coming over for your Super Bowl party, and you can offer them a treat by setting up a sofa-side laptop station, like, you know, with the old TV trays. This way, they've got it all right there. They can tweet what's going on in the game and post to Facebook and do whatever the heck they they want to do to stay socially involved during these games. And you know what else? Um, when we watch the games, we keep the laptop uh, on and tuned in because you can get lots and lots of stats on a live, ongoing basis. Yeah, we have a friend who always comes over who's our stat guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you have all the technology there. You can really enjoy the game. Yeah, and you know what else is kind of fun and a, and a good thought? You can keep an automatic air freshener in your bathroom. This way, nobody's got to worry about anything when they're going in to do their business. And if you're expecting a really big crowd, have you ever heard of a porta jane Now, I didn't know that this is what they were really called, but it's a far cry from an outdoor porta potty because it's portable, it's fully decorated, it's a restroom that you can rent, and they even have sinks with running water. I mean, it's a really cool idea if you're having a large group of people over your house. We've got a ton more gadgets that'll help you with your game day entertaining at MoneyPit.com. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, available 24-7, 365, by picking up the phone and calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. If we're not in the studio, when you make that call, we will call you back the next time we are. And speaking about the next time we do this show, we're going to talk about cracks in your home's foundations. Sometimes they can be serious, but how do you know if it's cosmetic if it's a small crack or if it's a serious foundation flaw, we'll teach you on the next edition of The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. You live in a Money Pit. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.